This is a special episode of Tricks, Techniques, and Some Real Magic, all about the coronavirus. Alert! Coronavirus! Alert! Alert! Coronavirus! Alert! Alert! Coronavirus! Alert! Yeah, shut down that alert. Four Wheels Studio here has set up an automatic alert for that virus, and it's triggered by even just mentioning it. And it's getting to be a real pain on my nerves. We'll get to where the real alert should be in the third section of the broadcast. This is Tricks, Techniques, and Some Real Magic on WHGM Gold. I can be reached on questions or appointments on medicine, viral epidemics, or treatment of addiction with Suboxone or Methadone at my direct number, 410-688-4832, or through my website at www.workingmemory.space. Previous episodes of the show are there. Directions to the office are there, and ways to leave messages for me and about the show. This is a special episode of Tricks, Techniques, and Some Real Magic with your host, Dr. Matt Maxman, MD, PhD. Oh, the PhD was in immunopharmacology developing a vaccine for, among other things, coronavirus. Alert! Coronavirus! Ah, that alarm again. The vaccine's off patent now, so presumably you could make one too. We will go through several treatments potentially for this corona alert virus. We get viruses all the time. Most of them we hardly even notice. Any virus infection can be fatal in the wrong person, in the wrong context, at the wrong time. Let me give you some examples. People with really bad lung disease can get any sort of respiratory virus and die. One of my patients had that happen over the summer when it wasn't flu or coronavirus season. I know, I know. Small children or infants, if they get a stupid little gut bug, let alone Norwalk agent or rotavirus, which are really strong gut bugs, can get dehydration and die. This is one of the leading causes of death worldwide, is a dumb little gut bug. STD virus and an angry spouse. I'm almost sorry that it's over. Any dumb little virus and somebody who's a bad driver going off to the pharmacy. And then, I hate to mention this, but any virus can suddenly have a weird effect out of blue and some people rarely for no reason that we can tell. And then it kills off one or more organ systems and the person's in deep trouble. Examples of this are myocarditis, where the heart muscle is killed by a dumb little virus and either they die from that or they're left with a destroyed heart that's going to kill them in the future. You can get an immune reaction to the virus and then suddenly be paralyzed with Guillain-Barre syndrome. Mostly this gets better, but not 100%. Any virus might be fatal in the wrong person with the wrong response at the wrong time. And about every 10 years, we see what seems like a regular cold virus, but 
people get an asthma response to it. Then you see all the hospitals and all the emergency rooms filled to overcapacity with people having asthma attacks who otherwise don't have asthma. And if you look at people who say that they've got asthma, about half of them never have had to see the doctor except once about every 10 years when they get a particular virus. We don't know why this happens in particular people, but there are certain viruses that go around that do this. We see them uncommonly. They very well might be coronavirus. Alert! Corona. Ah, that alarm again. Family ones related to this one. The big difference? They didn't get named. Maybe if I just keep my hand on the off button. Corona. Okay, good. This is what the textbooks say about coronavirus. This is from Medical Microbiology. Editor is Sam Barron that I worked with 30 years ago. The article written by David Tyrell and Stephen Mayant is from 20 years ago. Coronaviruses cause acute, mild, upper respiratory common colds. They're called that because the virus under extreme magnification looks like it has spikes coming out of it like a crown. Viruses get into the nose and nasal membranes from droplets. They infect only mature cells. They kill off the cells, and then the infection's pretty much over. Unlike flu and strep pneumonia, which have dozens of different types, coronavirus has two types, and so a vaccine is quite possible to be able to be made. The infections peak in the winter, take the form of local epidemics lasting a few weeks or months, and are gone. Immunity from infection is not great and lasts only a few years at most, but diagnosis and vaccine stuff wasn't made mainly because it wasn't felt to be serious enough until now. So what do we do? Let's start with the vaccine. I developed a vaccine that could be used for it as part of my PhD thesis. We took the vaccine that was originally used for smallpox. It's a really big virus. You can put in other genetic material into it and make a, a vaccine to whatever you add in. But this is a live virus. It causes an infection with flu-like symptoms. And it's incredibly contagious. It's obviously as contagious as chickenpox. And if you're immune compromised, if you have AIDS or other things like that or cancer chemotherapy, this vaccine can kill you. Furthermore, it's highly contagious. One in 50,000 people not on chemotherapy, not with immune disorders that we know about, suddenly get a rip-roaring infection from this particular vaccine. It wasn't such a good idea. We developed it. It's used in research things. We don't want it getting out of the lab. And until you test it, you still wouldn't know whether this thing actually worked, depending on what particular genetic material you put in and whether the immune response you got to it was going to work for the particular virus. These sort of upper respiratory viruses go around all the time. They're here for about two to six months and then they're gone forever. So the, vac the vaccine is going to be for a virus that's going to be gone before we're able to give it. Vaccines work by getting the immune system to respond to a particular virus. Sometimes they don't work. Also, the immune system puts out these proteins into the bloodstream called antibodies. They're very specific for binding to particular things that you're immunized to. These blood proteins, antibodies, bind and glop up stuff if it's in the bloodstream 
and not so much if it's not in the bloodstream. Coronavirus is a maybe on this, but you can get this protein out from somebody who's immune to a virus because they've had the virus. You take their antibody, you give it to somebody who hasn't seen the virus, and they're protected. We used to do that on polio, and we still do that with hepatitis A and rabies, and for that matter, snake venoms. Antisera could be tried out on coronavirus, and we could get it up and running in a month. It is, however, taking somebody's blood and giving it to somebody else. It has to be carefully purified. It has to be made sure that it's not carrying infection with it. You will get a reaction to some of the proteins in it. These reactions themselves could theoretically be serious or damaging. Mostly they're not that bad. It's a bit of a trade-off and it would have to be tested, but this is a lot faster than making a new vaccine. And depending on what we know about coronavirus, it's more or less likely to work. It should certainly be at least discussed. Reports from China are that they've made and utilized this antisera technique and that it's been successful in coronavirus. However, they haven't put out the data, and it's also doubtful that they did a rigorous clinical trial to compare people who got the antisera to people who didn't get the antisera. But there are other treatments today. Montelukast is a drug that works on inflammation of the respiratory tract and has been FDA approved for asthma, and it's more or less approved for other respiratory ailments, certainly for wheezing and asthma-like symptoms. If somebody gets a virus and gets asthma-like symptoms that can be fatal, this drug probably will work on it, and it doesn't shut down the whole immune system the way that steroid treatment does. Physically, flu and coronavirus have a lot in common. They're both balls of protein and fat that have genetic material for making themselves inside and things for attaching to cells on the outside. How they infect, what they infect, the type of disease that they produce, all very similar. How they grow inside the cell, totally different, so they're different viral families. The type of epidemic they produce, though, is subtly very different. Flu season lasts more or less most a half a year and goes everywhere. How likely it is to infect you is less than coronavirus. Its likelihood if infected to kill you is certainly less than coronavirus. How long you're infectious is probably also less than coronavirus. So it's less contagious for less amount of time and less fatal, and yet there's more cases of flu, even in China, and probably more deaths from flu also in China. So why is that? I'm going to be really controversial here and say it's largely because everybody did the right things. Coronavirus is more infectious than flu, but there's less of it around because I suspect a smaller area around the infected person is infectious. Think of it like a blast radius. So all the changes in movement of people, all the quarantines, all the restrictions of movements, all the other ways of isolating out the infected people actually worked. You see very clumped 
groups of people infected with coronavirus. And there's a lot of infection and a lot of deaths in those clumps, but the clumps are fairly discreet and small, especially compared to flu, which just hits everywhere. Our local health department gives us a ballpark figure trying to stay six feet away from people. Tightly packed crowds are being avoided, and there are ways of preventing that from happening that are being instituted. The one exception is methadone clinics, where there's a large number of people, all of whom might be sick, and they're going to be forced to come in every day and be tightly packed for an hour or more. Yeah, this could be a problem. This could spread a whole epidemic, and people should think about doing something to prevent this. I've made changes around my Suboxone program of having everybody come in for individual appointments and cleaning the place up between each appointment. That appointment number for Suboxone is 410-688-4832. Next week, we're going to have even worse things from the coronavirus epidemic, and not just the alert. Thank you.